Monday, I spent the day uh, alone, basically. On my, on my actual birthday, my wife, she was very busy, and so I spent the entire day alone, but it's okay, she loves me. It actually ended up being perfect, because I had time, and this sounds weird, but I had a, an entire day to be quiet. And so I, I spent the entire day on this back porch um, in Fayetteville, we found this little cabin, and so basically you had this view of like of the mountains and everything. And I sat there for an entire day. And, you know, when you're alone, you don't talk. If you do, we might need to talk after service, right? <laughs> but when you come to that place of just kind of quiet, it's always interesting to see the, what comes out, right? When you are not moving, when you're not speaking, what begins to kind of happen inside of you? Because what's interesting is the less you're moving on the outside, the less you're actually active or the less you, you're speaking, the less you're doing, the more aware you are of what's happening on the inside. Because even if you stop moving on the outside, you don't necessarily stop moving internally. Your emotions and your thoughts are still flowing. And so the, the first few hours of, of being quiet is the hardest because you are overwhelmed with being aware of how loud it is up here. Have you ever tried this? I I encourage you to try it, just even for half an hour. Just try to sit and be quiet. And as you do that, you will just be shocked at how much happens in this space up here, right? How much is, is actually flowing around up there. But there's a point after about four or five hours where you finally begin to relax. It's almost like, uh, have you guys had this experience where you, you, you're beginning to relax? And as you relax, you begin to notice how tense you were. Does anyone have that experience? It's almost like in a chair. You notice that you're standing, you know, you're in the chair like this, and then you start to slowly sink into the chair, right? You begin to notice that your body begins to, to relax. But because you're relaxing, you're now aware of how tense, how tight, how, how stressed, how rigid you were, right? Now, what's interesting about rest is that it shows us things which we can't find outside of rest. Have you ever had a vacation or uh, a really good night's sleep that you rested so well that when you were finished, you woke up and realized how tired you actually were? Anyone? Anyone? See, there's something about rest which it, it teaches us things. Rest is the only place where you can go to find out how exhausted you are. See, rest is the only place you can go to find out how empty you really are. There's something about a state of not moving where it's the only place where you're really able to, to assess what's broken on the inside. So most of us, and you know, I, I include myself in this, we thrive on just life. We, we thrive on these routines. We, th we thrive on work, on the busyness, on goals, on, on just stuff that we consume all day long. We thrive on being in motion. There's not many of us in the room who would rather just sit in a single place and do nothing. Now, there are some of us who like quiet, but we like quiet to do certain things or to enjoy certain hobbies, but not many of us want to just be still. See, whenever I was a kid, to, to be still was actually a punishment. It had, had a name for it. Anyone know? Time out, right? Now, the concept of time out means this. It means... You do not get to be in on what everyone else is in on. In this time and space, what everyone else gets to be in on, whether it's playing a game or something like that, you are now going to be out of it. You're going to spend time 
on the outside. Now that seems like a curse. I'm not sure if there's anyone else in here. Okay, it seems like punishment. It, it seems like the worst thing possible to be to be told. Okay, what's happening over here? You will you will not be able to enjoy what everyone else is enjoying. You're going to be put on the sideline for a while. And so as you get older, it's hard to to see value in resting. Now again. Remember, as we use the word rest and Sabbath, we're not just talking about uh, not doing things. We're not just talking about uh, a vacation or family time. Specifically, we're talking about space that is used for a certain type of playing and a certain type of praying. Okay, it's a space where we are, we are engaging in things that bring us life, and we are spending that engagement into life with God. And there's a, a very unique space of rest that the Scriptures show us about this. But when it comes to rest again, it's one of the only places where we're able to really see how exhausted, how empty we are. Because see, uh, I'm not sure if you've done this, but when there is something very important that we have to do, okay, now, you know, we're all different, there's different things that motivate us, but when you are motivated to just be trying to meet some kind of a goal, I thrive best when there is some kind of a giant goal and everyone needs me to reach it. I do really well in the situations. I will go and go and go and I feel great until I don't, right? There's something about the end of it where you are just shocked. How about this? Have you ever been so tired you sat down and began to see yourself shaking like your hand was just kind of in motion? One person, awesome, great. (laughs) We are on a roll today. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to sleep and woke up sore? Like, what's that about? Right? Like, if I'm tired and exhausted, I should feel it. Now, I just went to rest. Why, after resting for 10 hours, do I wake up and now I feel sore? Right? See, rest is the place where we are the most in tune with our weaknesses, with our inadequacies. What's interesting about, about work is that there's a place where you can stay in motion so much where you are oblivious to your physical body, to your emotional needs. Um, who ever ran track before? Anybody ever, ever, ever run track? Okay, there's a trick in track. It's this. When you are at the end of your self, your legs begin to, to burn, right? And your lungs begin to burn. And there's something in this situation where some people... When they begin to feel the signs that their body's telling them, because by the way, that's a natural thing your body's saying, stop, right? Or else you're going to get hurt, okay? But if you are not built that way, if you're someone who is not willing to stop, there are tricks around it. There are some mental tricks. But in high school, we would use Icy Hot on our legs, okay? You take Icy Hot and you just put it all over your legs. So you would start the race on fire, like your legs already hurt, right? So what happens is you come to a place where you're sprinting, and yes, your body's trying to tell you you need to stop or you're going to get hurt. But you don't sense it. You're not aware of it. Because your brain is already feeling the fire sensation in your legs. So for you, it's normal. It's baseline. One of the saddest things I ever saw. I'm, so with track, I had to run track because if you're in basketball, you had to run track. So I, so I would run like one race, and that's it. I was watching the 400. Which I think that that's the worst race ever, because you basically have to sprint the entire time, but for way too long. It's ridiculous, okay? 100 yards, I get that. 400 yards, let's jog some of it, right? This is silly. 
But there's something about the 400 where it really does take everything out of you. And so at the end of the 400 is where you're going to see the most dramatic stuff. So there's a guy on this one team who was super fast. And, of course, he did the icy hot thing. And he is just, I mean, he's booking it. And I, I think he had about a second and a half lead. And the finish line is about right there. And I'm telling you, he starts to kind of trip up a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can see they're losing their balance. He literally falls and say it like the line's right there. He falls right about here. Like on, I mean, on his face. Like, I mean, completely just, you know, hits it, right? And I'm here watching at the sideline. I'm right here going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think he died, right? And he sits there, and his fingers are trying to crawl, you know? And go, but, of course, his fingers, you know, that's not going to work. And, he's, and he sits here at the finish line with his hand extended, and it's, you know, here's the line, his hand's right here. And he literally has to lay there and watch every person pass him. And of course, I'm here with my person. I go, no, get up, you know, trip them, something, you know, like roll in the way, you know. And, and so again, he sits here and every, he, he came in dead last. Absolute dead last. He led the entire race. There's no one watching the race saying, oh, I think he's going to lose it. No, it seemed to be... It seemed over. It, it seemed an, an obvious conclusion. This guy is going to win. Look how far ahead he is of everyone else. He's doing great. But see, there's no one else at the field who is really able to know how well he was doing. See, the, the only person in the race who was aware or should have been aware of his limits was him. But he had chosen, he had made choices that would limit his ability to sense his limits. He was numb to his limits. He couldn't sense or hear the warning signs. And even though, to anyone else watching, here's the winner. Here's the guy who's out in front. Here's what we all want to aspire to. This person came in last place. See, you have to understand this. We have to know our limits. See, limits are a gift from God. But I don't know if anyone, and, and I would just guess, there are a few of us in this room who have been taught that limits are a good thing. See, in school, we're taught that we're going to, we're going to work harder, and we're going to study longer, and we're going to, to go beyond our limits. We're going to raise our grades. In the workplace, we are going to work longer hours. We're going to give more effort. We're going to make more sacrifices so we can work our way up. We are going in sports and athletics. We're going to train and we are going to lift weights and we are going to, to run and we are going to, to, to raise our limits. We're going to take the cap off of what we are capable of. And of course, since we're all Americans, we hate limits. We hate anything, any concept of being limited. Everything about this culture is about more. More. More success, more money, more fame. More. And so here comes Sabbath. We're doing this series on violent rest. Now, I haven't talked much about this, this title. The reason I want to call this violent rest is because if you begin to live a life of rest, meaning if you begin to practice the commandment of resting in God, 
your life will have to change. Period. There's no one in this room who is able to live a lifestyle of resting in God that is not going to have serious, dramatic consequences in your lifestyle. How are you going to take a life that is already full and begin to plug rest into it? Plug times of play, times of prayer into it. How are you going to take a life that is already telling you you need to give more? We need more of your time, more of your energy, more of your thought, more of your input, more of your involvement. We need more of you at home, more of you in your marriage, and more of you at work. We need more, more, more. How are you going to give more of yourself somewhere else when your life has already stretched you thin? See, violence is what happens anytime that there is something that begins to to pull something apart, to break something down. And see, rest in God, rest is a violent thing. Because for us to begin to rest in our lives, it is going to begin to shake up our lives. It's going to mess up your work schedule. It's going to mess up your aspirations for life. It's going to to mess up your 15-year plan. It's going to mess up everything in your life because to rest means we have to prioritize. We have to begin to say, okay, if I'm going to rest in my life, that means something else has to be moved down the chain. Here's the truth. Few of us in the room are going to actually do this. We're going to listen to the sermon. It's going to be terrific. We're going to, you know, amen, say a prayer. But few of us are willing to risk having violence in our lives. You can't really afford to have your work schedule messed up. You can't really afford to have your boss get upset with you or to give up the things that you're working so hard for. You can't really ask your kids to be involved in less extracurriculars, right? I've got three kids. I don't know what's going to happen. I have one kid who wants to do travel ball, one girl who loves to climb and dance at all times, and I have one kid who could do anything he wants to do, but he he probably wants to do all the things, and that's not going to work. How in the world is my life going to have enough room to fit all these things and yet to learn rest and to teach my children how to how to rest see the only way for us to live in this god space called sabbath this rest is that we have to give up the word more and i think that's a difficult thing and you know with these sermons i don't preach these these sermons from places of having mastered this. These aren't things that, that I have completely figured out. These are things I've been working on and chewing on and praying on and, and, and wrestling with. But these are not things that I've, that I've figured out yet. It's a difficult thing because if we are going to rest, we have to place limits on ourselves. We have to accept that our vision for our future might not be possible. As to shrink a little bit. And so in the garden, we get this, this account where there is this, this, this interaction between man and God. And he gives all of this potential. Here, you can tend to this land, take care of this land, pull yourself into this land, but there's a time when we rest and there is a limit to what you can have. You could have all of this but you can't have this. There's a limit to what you can have. You can have all those trees over there, but this tree, 
No. This tree is too much for you. This tree is your limit. You can have all of this, but not this. Limits. See, um, see, limits, again, are something that most of us see as a, as a consequence, almost like a punishment. So you're saying, I can't have that. With our children, um, and, and again, if you don't have children, I encourage you to be around some families with kids. It's, it's the best place to learn about God and about the pain of life, and uh, <laughs> it's terrific. <laughs> and so with kids, they always want more, Correct. Ooh, gummies, that was good. I want, okay. And I, the majority of my life now is basically saying no. I'll just be honest. Can I have this? No. Can I do that? No. Can we call so-and-so to come over? No. It's constant having to, okay. But you get the the idea. They continually want more. They want more to, to do, to experience, to touch. But see, with children, it's interesting. There's a place with my, with my kids where they begin to just lose their minds, okay? It's, it's normally about 7 o'clock, okay? It's about time for bed, and they want more. More playing on the video games, more hanging out, you know, uh, more throwing the baseball, whatever it is. We just want more. We don't want to go to bed. Don't put us in time out, you know? So it's the same concept. And they begin to get wired and like, the logical part of their brains, which is already small, just gets even smaller. And it's just like compulsive. <laughs> more, 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 more. If you do not take that child and put them in the bed immediately, you will be up till 2 o'clock in the morning. Because even though their body is telling them, you are tired, go to sleep, close your eyes, stop speaking, stop moving, stop listening, stop consuming, lay down and be still. Everything inside of their little will says, no, 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 no. I don't want to miss out. What I love about kids is that kids are just like more simple adults. We aren't any different than our kids. You are no different from your children. You've just learned ways to justify the same behavior. That's all that it is. The reason I use kids all the time in sermons is it's the same way that, okay, I'm not saying I see you as children. I just, it's the same problems. Okay, we'll just say that. Same behavior. There's a part of me that says, no, no, no. I don't want to miss out on everything that life has. I want more. I want more. But it's my place to say, no, you can have more later. Right now, I need to limit what you are doing, what you are feeling, what you are bringing, because what you need is not always what you want. You want more, but what you need are limits. What you want is control of your life, but what you need is for me to care for you and to place limits on you that you would not place on yourself. And so I take my children and I put them in bed and they get up, I... And I do this because if I do not put them to sleep, I will go crazy. But if they do not rest, if there's not a time in the day when they are still and they are not moving and they are not acting and they're not active, they're just still. For some weird reason, the way that God has made the human body, if they do not rest and be still, 
that after five days, a week, a month, at some point, they will only have the option to be still. If you do not rest, you are going to die. How about that? Sound good? We don't even exactly know scientifically why the body's built this way. It doesn't fully make sense. Why does the body have to stop moving completely in order to accomplish these, these, these things in our body? Why do we have to be still? If we do not learn how to limit our lives in a healthy, consistent way, your life will be shortened. Now again, it's a physical analogy, but I want you to get this. In every sense of your life, if you do not learn to live with limits, you will be limited anyway. If that guy would have just jogged out three more feet, he would have passed the line. He could have even walked it. He could have stopped right here and walked. But because he was unwilling and he was unaware of the limitations that he had, he lost all of it. Missed out. See, a lot of us are unaware of our limits. We're not aware of how tired we are. Most of you, if we sat down and talked, would talk to me about being tired and exhausted. But you wouldn't be able to describe to me really what it is. It's just an overall weight. And if you went on a vacation, you went down to you know, the Bahamas or wherever it is you, you went, and you enjoyed a good week or month away, you would feel better temporarily. You would come back, and then a week or two later, it would be right back where it was. What's wrong? What, what am I missing? Why am I so empty? And so in Sabbath, there are things that we learn. And the first thing we learn in Sabbath is we learn our needs. What do I need? What do I need? Now, when I'm talking about needs, I'm not just talking about, even with language of limits, we're not just talking about pulling back from things. Okay, so think about this. You, you take things in and you put things out, right? That's the way humans work, okay? I take things in, I put things out, okay? When we talk about limits, I'm not just telling you to limit what you're putting out. I'm not just, rest is not about only doing less. If you go through your calendar right now in your week and you begin to, to, to end commitments, I'm not going to do this anymore, uh, the kids are going to pull back from this, you know, we're going to spend more time at home. It's going to help a little bit. But it's not the entire issue. I'll say it this way. If you were to lay in your bed and sleep for a week, is that going to help you be rested when you wake up? Is that all that you need is sleep? What else do you need to be restored in your energy? It's not just not moving. So even physically. Sleep is not moving, right? The, the ceasing, the pulling back of what comes out of you is one aspect of it. So sleeping is important, right? But what about eating? What about drinking? So now, here's the analogy. Oh, that sounds great, Devin. So now you are eating everything you need, you are drinking everything you need, and you are sleeping. Is, is this done now? Are you going to be a healthy person? A human being cannot reach physical health, okay, without moving. There is an aspect of movement which is important, correct? But it's moving in the right ways, doing the right things. So 
When I talk about your needs, what I mean is this. We have to learn how much we can give out, but we also have to learn what we need to take in. Sabbath and rest are not just about stopping moving. It's not just about having a less busy calendar. It's learning what does my soul need to be alive? What makes me come to life? What makes me feel excited to be alive today? And it's not just my, my work or my, the obligations or responsibilities. It's not just the duties. If I, what is it that brings the best out of me? What do I need to bring into me? That's going to restore me. The answer for some of you is going to be to limit what you are pouring out. But the answer for all of you is going to begin to be intentional on what you take in. See, in in Sabbath, in a place with God when we're quiet, that's when you can feel the tremor in your hand from exhaustion. That's, That's when you can feel the the, the pain in your stomach from hunger. Uh, I'm not sure if you're like this. Um, I tend to work through lunch. I tend to miss lunch. It's not because I, I don't like eating. I love to eat. I promise you I love to eat. But I will get so focused on what I'm doing that I will not feel my body telling me I'm hungry. And I'll just skip a meal until I crash, of course, and you know, blah, blah, blah. When you are still with God, you are in a place where you can now feel your needs. I need to rest and sleep and play and pray. I need to f- take in from God. Now, I don't have time this morning to go into what that could look like, but it could look like anything for us. On Monday, I spent the entire day on a back porch with coffee and some books and spent some time writing. It was what I needed to take in. It wasn't just that I was sitting still in a chair. If I didn't have those other elements, I would have been restless and annoyed and agitated and it would have actually pulled out of me even though I wasn't physically doing anything I wasn't really engaging if I were do if I were just not moving but I wasn't taking things in that brought me life it wouldn't have been rest and so in rest in this place of rest is where we actually are sensitive to what we need to survive remember this I know that you guys have co-workers and family and friends who need you, but you are not giving them anything if you are not whole. You can run and run and run, and then you're going to collapse right before that, that line right there. Pastors are the worst at this. Pastors are the worst at giving and giving and giving and not ever allowing themselves to slow down. And they end up crashing and they run away with the secretary. That's why I don't have a secretary, by the way. I can't run away with one if I don't have one. Amen? I work at Starbucks with Joey. (laughs) He's basically my secretary. (laughs) I knew you'd like that one, brother. You do bring me coffee, which you didn't do it today, man. I don't know what's going on. So it's in rest that we find our needs, but it's also in rest that we begin to find our limits. You know, that, um, when you're exercising, you know, there's something about, me and Pastor Zach have not squatted heavy in a while. And that just sounds ridiculous, squatted heavy. What an interesting phrase that is. <laughs> Do you like to squat heavy? <laughs> I'm sorry, certain things just kind of grab my brain and I just can't let go. Squat heavy, that sounds ridiculous. Okay, I've, en- I've been enjoying so much like not having to work out with him in that way. 
We've been working out for a while, but we haven't been squatting. Now, like, <laughs> I'm ready to get back to it, but, uh, okay. What's amazing about squatting is this. You can actually go past your limits when you're squatting. You can get to a place where you can do something that you really should not do, and you don't feel it until you rack the weights, and then you pass out. I have actually blacked out before where I came up where I was about right here, and then I was standing up. I didn't remember how I got there, and I, I racked it real quick and was like, I don't remember what just happened. There's something, see, you can push past your limits. Limits are not just things that you're capable of. It's, limits are about what can you sustain? What can you consistently do and still remain healthy? And you can always push past your limits, but you can't consistently. At some point, you are going to collapse. If you don't learn your limits in a safe environment, you will find your limits in a way that's going to bring damage to you and the people around you. If you guys have your Bibles, uh, AV team, I apologize for this. I, I did not plan to go to this passage. I'm going to go to Psalm 131. Psalm 131 in the message. I was, I was thinking about this during worship, and this, uh, this psalm kind of came to me. I want to explain this because, again, I feel like limits consistently feel like curses to us. It feels like a, a box or something that we're put in. This was in the message, and uh, I use the message because uh, Eugene Peterson is, is my hero, if there's any uh, spiritual guru you guys ever want to read a book by, you guys go find uh, Eugene. Uh, he's the best. And so I, here's how we tried to kind of parse this, this paragraph. He tried to pull some life out of it. He said it this way. God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart. Like a baby content in its mother's arms, my soul is a baby content. Wait, Israel, for God. Wait with hope, hope now, hope always. If you notice, the first couple verses there are about limits. I'm not trying to be king of everything. I'm not trying to have everything. I've, I've tried to keep my feet on the ground. I've, I've tried to keep myself from reaching for the stars. I'm trying to, to know that I'm not God. I'm knowing my limits. See, there's something about knowing our limits. Knowing that we are not God. Knowing we cannot fix everything. We can't make everything. We can't do everything. We cannot be the source of everything. We are not the source of all of our family's answers. We're not the only protector or provider or comforter or fixer. We're not that. We are not God. And in this, he creates the, the image of a baby being kind of coddled right to the chest. See, we see limitations as a curse, as God keeping things from us. Limitations are where we allow God to take care of us. See, when you are a child, as you grow older, your parents put less and less limits on you. 
And it is now your responsibility to figure out your own limits, to care for yourself. But see, when you are a child, when you are a baby, there are limits, right? The best thing about Nisa, um, with the early few months of our children, she is able to get them on a sleeping schedule in like the first month. And Lord bless her for I mean, I mean, like the kids sleep all day, basically. It's beautiful. Now they're too old for that. It's terrible. But, you know, you get the idea. When they are young, you set all sorts of limits for them. When there are limits, when there is someone who is setting limits for you, what this really is, is there's someone who is taking care of you. As you get older, your parents set less limits, but they are also able to care for you less. They still love you, but their ability to take care of you in the ways that you need begin to shrink, and you have to begin to learn to take care of yourself. You begin to be the one who has to set your own limits and care for yourself. But at the same time, the element which we've missed is that there's never a place where God is unable to be the one who cares for us. Sabbath, having a consistent space in our lives where we only devote that time to playing and praying. It's in this space where we take our hands off of our problems. The relational, the financial, the emotional issues in our lives, we take our hands off of it. Our dreams and aspirations, our titles and responsibilities, we take our hands off of it. Yes, I know I'm boss or pastor or I'm, I'm mom or I'm dad or I'm you know, sister or whatever. I'm going to take my hands off of my titles. And in this space, I am only here as a child. This is my responsibility in this space. In Sabbath, in resting, in praying, and playing, I am a kid again. And in this small space, whether it's an hour a week or if you're able to do a full day a week, whatever it is, in this space, I am letting go of all of those things. I'm not trying to shoot for the stars. I'm not trying to rule the roost. I'm not trying to be the boss on the mountain. I'm, I'm keeping my feet on the ground. I'm realizing that even though I am these things, I am a parent, I am a friend, I am a child, I am a boss, I am an a, you know, employee, whatever, I am also just a child of God. And in this space, I need to be cared for. I need to know my limits. I need, I need to be reminded that everyone's future and hopes don't rest here. And here in this place, I need to rest. And I need to live in limits. Because if I do not live inside my limits, I am going to fall. It's just a matter of time. And all these things that I value, my friends and family and my work, all these things are going to fall with it. If I do not learn to live inside of limits. If I do not learn to allow God to take care of me. If I do not allow God to show me and to to make me sensitive to all those bells and whistles that go off when I am pushing myself too far. Stretching myself too thin. Remember, this is not just about doing too much. Because see what happens is this. When I have a space of rest, when I am feeding my soul and my body and my mind with what I need to be alive, all of a sudden what I can actually do when I step out of rest increases. You can juggle amazing amounts of things. We can do a lot of work and still be in a healthy state of rest, but you have to learn to take care of yourself. 
If you are not able to take care, if you're not pouring into yourself, your output is going to continue to shrink. So yes, rest is about doing less, but it's also about taking in more of God in, in all the forms that takes. That's, I'm not just talking about praying or the Scriptures. Play, a state of playing and praying with God where we take our hands off the plow. We're not worrying, we're not stressing, we're not problem solving, we're just enjoying life in this space. It's going to teach you what you really need to live. It's going to allow you to accept your limitations. And to live inside limits is the best, most effective way to allow grace of God to flow. When we begin to acknowledge in our relationships and in our life that we are not the, the solution, we are not always the answer, now we're creating space where we can begin to anticipate and let God move in our lives. Would you guys stand with me this morning? So I just want to encourage you. Again, I, I have not mastered this. I am, I am actively paying attention to this. I am learning this. I'm trying to, to figure out what rest looks like for me. How do I need to Sabbath when Sunday is my work day, right? When Saturday is the day when the kids are home and I can't just, you know, disappear. What does Sabbath look like for me? It's going to look different for all of us. What things do I need to do or not do to bring me life, to fill my tank back up? A lot of us, when we get tired, the answer is to begin to withdraw. We begin to pull away from everything. And we still feel empty. We still feel frustrated. The answer is not just to pull back. The answer is to step into the things that God has for you. What is it in your life that you need to make space to take in so you can begin to be restored and full and healthy and whole and energized? And are there things in your life that you need to step back from because they are stretching you too thin? Father, this morning we ask that you would just speak to each of us. You know the particulars of our lives. You know the details. You know exactly the things that we need. You, you know our limits. Father, we do not. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us start by finding a space in our week, whether it's a few minutes a day or half a day of it every week. Help us see a space in our lives where we can begin to get away. We can put down all the titles and responsibilities and problems and goals and aspirations, and we can just be with you. So, prayer team, I just want to invite you guys on up. Uh, as we dismiss, if, if you guys need prayer for anything, especially this morning, if you are just feeling heavy, you feel your limit, or maybe even you've, you've already run past your limit and you just don't know what to do, uh, we want to pray with you. Father, I speak a blessing over every family in this room. Help us model healthy lifestyles. Lifestyles of work, creativity, and doing, but lifestyles of rest and play, just enjoying life. Help us raise uh, families and neighborhoods and a community of faith that knows how to rest in you. In Jesus' name.